I'm Steve Eubanks with Benny Eubanks Cattle in Tig, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It may be hot outside, but that's not slowing us down from bringing you another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state of the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, drought is continuing to hold back cow herd expansion. Of course, drought devastated our cow herds here in Texas last year, and it's not helping again this summer. But we're seeing drought conditions all through cow country in the High Plains, all the way from Texas up to the Dakotas, and that's putting the brakes on any possibility of herd expansion. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Two congressmen who represent the Texas High Plains are holding a listening session on the Farm Bill next week I'm James Hunt, and we'll tell you more about that on Texas Ag Today. With wildfire risk at even higher levels across Texas, Texas A&M Forest Service and volunteer fire departments are making sure that they remain safe while fighting these fires. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. Artificial intelligence is making a lot of headlines these days. The technology is in agriculture, and it's making modern agriculture even more precise. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Drought has cut into the cow herd, both here in Texas and nationwide. And while we've had some drought relief here in our state this year, there are still big cow states that are dealing with it. That was the message from Dr. David Anderson at this week's Texas A&M Beef Cattle Short Course in College Station. The Great Plains states from Texas to North Dakota and and out from there are really where the biggest percentage of beef cows are in the U.S. And so, you know, it starts with grass. If you don't have grass, you're not going to have many cows. And so that's fueled the contraction in uh, uh, cow numbers. But this uh, this ongoing drought in the plains uh, really would would tell us it's going to be really difficult to expand very quickly in those states because they're still in drought so they're not out of drought yet to be able to expand and drought affects another aspect of the beef business corn production continuing some drought in the corn belt where we produce the bulk of the corn we produce and so you know the risk there is what's that path of of drought look like if it begins to um, go away uh, improve we have a huge corn crop we'll get much lower corn prices which is which means lower feed costs to producers and higher calf prices 
Even though the Corn Belt has felt some drought effects this summer, we're still looking at a possible record corn crop this year. Anderson says if that happens, it will be very supportive to cattle prices. Virtual fencing has been around a long time for pets, but now it's here for cattle producers. I mean, we started using virtual fencing on our ranch three weeks ago. That's Donald Brown of the R.A. Brown Ranch in Throckmorton, Texas. So we've got collars around the cattle of all of our cattle. We draw fences on our computer where we can take a 600-acre pasture and cut it into six 100-acre pastures. And, and, and we can change them and move them and the, the availability to better manage our land, manage our grass, manage our water with less people. With less capital outlay and having to, to take bulldozers and build fence, I, I can do that virtually. And so all that kind of technology to me is very exciting about the future. Brown says another advantage is that every 30 minutes he gets an update on where every single cow is. If one of them got over on the neighbors or one of them got in the wrong pasture or, or one of them's just not feeling good and maybe hadn't moved for a while, maybe got crippled. I can go and find those cattle because my GPS tracks them and I know exactly where they are. Virtual fencing can't be used for perimeter fences, but Brown thinks it's a very cost-effective way to manage cattle within a ranch. Two congressmen representing the Texas High Plains are holding a listening session on the Farm Bill next week. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. As we all know, Congress is working right now on the writing of the next farm bill as the current one is scheduled to expire at the end of September. Would you like to let your voice be heard on what the new farm bill should look like? You have a special opportunity to share your thoughts as Congressman Ronnie Jackson and Jody Arrington have announced they are hosting a listening session next week at West Texas A&M University in Canyon. That event is Wednesday, August 16th. To get more details and to register, you can go to the press releases section of Congressman Jackson's website at jackson.house.gov. Once again, that's jackson.house.gov or go to Congressman Jackson's Facebook or Twitter sites. Once again, that listening session is Wednesday, August 16th from 5 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. at the Peel Schaefer Pavilion at West Texas A&M University. Now, moving from the policy arena to the fields, we have a new winter wheat season about to begin, and Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says she expects an increase in wheat acres in the Texas High Plains. As we look at the demand for wheat in this region, not just grain, but for forage, we have grazing, we have hay, and we have silage crops. We have a really strong demand for wheat across the Texas High Plains. But here's an important word of advice from Dr. Bell. We have a very limited seed supply this year. And so if producers are interested in planting wheat, it is imperative that they start making their variety selections as quickly as possible and that they get that seed reserved. And here's hoping our wheat farmers get some good rains ahead of planting time. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It's hot, it's dry, and it's windy. And that makes the risk for wildfires very high across the state. Tom Nicoletti checks in with the Texas A&M Forest Service. My guest today is Adam Turner. He is Public Information Officer with the Texas A&M Forest Service. And uh, Adam, uh, at this time, how many 
fires are you folks uh, responding to uh, statewide? So we're currently responding to 17 different wildfires across much of the state from all the way as far north as Vernon, all the way south down to uh, Laredo and as far east as northeast of Beaumont. I mean, we are covering a wide range of area. We do have about 175 counties underneath burn bans here in Texas at this point because we are truly at a at a statewide level of fire response. And I'm talking about the efforts of Forest Service and Volunteer Fire Department responses to these fires and how they try to make sure that they stay safe. So one of the biggest things we think about when we do respond to wildfires, both with ourselves and with our local volunteer cooperators, is how long are you out working in this heat and what will it take to make sure that you stay healthy and are not going to put yourself in more danger? So a lot of times we'll do rotations. So maybe an engine will go out and work for a little while and then come back off the line at command post or sit in their trucks, drink some water so they can kind of rehabilitate themselves before going back out and working again. Sometimes with this extreme heat, it really just depends on how hot it is and how active the fire is. And many of these fires are out in the rural areas. They are. So a lot of our activity right now is kind of centered on the I-35 corridor and then far east Texas. Much of these fires are further away out in some rural areas, but it's it's definitely a mixture of homes and uh, these rural ag lands that we previously would have seen fires in. That is Adam Turner. He is with the Texas A&M Forest Service. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Artificial intelligence is moving on to the farm and ranch. Gary Joyner tells how. Precision agriculture is getting more precise every day. Artificial intelligence, or AI, has arrived on America's farms and ranches. Published reports point to approximately 200 AI-based agricultural startups in the U.S. AI is helping farmers and ranchers grow more food more efficiently. There are self-driving tractors and combine harvesters, and there are robots for crop inspection and to harvest food. There are autonomous sprayers that differentiate crops from weeds. AI helps with decision-making. Farmers and ranchers can adjust in real time to events because of the technology. The future is now. Spending on AI solutions in agriculture is estimated to grow from $1 billion in 2020 to $4 billion in 2026. Crop and soil monitoring, livestock health monitoring, aerial survey and imaging, and produce grading and sorting. Just a few more of the advances that AI provides, with more on the way. Modern agriculture continues to evolve to feed a growing world. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. A very important item that you'll need if you plan to hunt or fish in the coming year will go on sale next week. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And heat stress in cattle is caused by a combination of factors. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I just want to stay informed while I'm on the go. News on the radio, it's nice because it's just a quick snippet and I don't have to go searching for it or grab a paper. I listen to radio because anywhere that I'm going, I'm listening to music or I'm listening to a talk show or I'm just trying to stay up on current events. I always turn into the radio to see if I need to take shelter or where it's hitting to see what I need to be preparing for. Why do you listen? 
Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Heat stress in cattle is caused by a combination of environmental factors. And Dr. Bob Judd says it all adds up to decreased performance. These environmental factors include temperature, relative humidity, solar radiation, air movement, and precipitation. During the summer, heat stress can be a major concern and cattle on pasture are not as susceptible as those in the feedlot because pasture cattle can seek shade, water, and air movement to cool themselves. Cattle cannot dissipate their heat loads very well as they do not rely on sweat but rely on respiration to cool themselves. A compounding factor on top of climatic conditions is the fermentation process within the rumen, or first stomach compartment, that increases the calves' temperature four to six hours after eating. Cattle do not dissipate heat effectively that they accumulate during the hot summer days, but try to eliminate it during the night. If the temperature humidity index is above 80, cattle will be under heat stress. Cattle can also have heat stress when the nighttime temperatures are over 70 degrees as they cannot cool off from the heat of the day and the temperature humidity index does not account for accumulated heat load, solar radiation, or wind speed. With heat stress, initially feed consumption will decrease and cattle will become restless and in later stages, cattle will begin to slobber and have increased respiratory rates. To help prevent heat stress, do not work cattle after 10 a.m. in the morning and cattle should not have to stand in the processing area longer than 30 minutes. Do not work cattle in the evening because although it's cooler, the cattle have not lost heat from the day. Cattle must have a large amount of cool water available, and shade is critical, especially for black cattle. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It is time to buy your annual Texas hunting and fishing license. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. As we move closer to the start of the fall hunting seasons, don't forget to add one very important item to your hunting to-do list. Buy a new hunting and fishing license. Current year licenses, with the exception of year-from-purchase licenses, expire in mid-August. New year licenses go on sale August 15th. Most license types will be available for sale through the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. Mike Hobson, TPWD License Manager, joins us for more on what you should take if you plan to buy your license in store. If you have your license from last year, that's the best thing to take with you. Go ahead and take it with you to the store because right above your name, especially if you've had a printed license, is a customer number. That customer number makes a direct one-to-one match to you as your person to who we have in our database. That's the best way to do it. If you don't have that, then the next best thing is probably your driver's license. If there's some individuals who don't have a driver's license, then I would recommend using your social security number. While you're purchasing a new hunting or fishing license next week, be sure to also get any endorsements that you may also need. If you're going to dove hunt, you need the migratory game bird endorsement and you need your HIP certification. Those are the two things that you must have. A lot of people miss the HIP certification. If you're at a retailer, you should be asked how many dove you harvested last year, how many ducks, how many geese, rail, gallinule. There's six questions that you should be asked. If you're not asked that, you need to ask the clerk. 
This year, additional license types will be available digitally. We'll have more information on that on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Cattle, cotton, and grains all made gains on Thursday. We'll check out all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I typically listen here at work, from my desk, on my way to work, in the morning. When we wake up, it goes on the radio. I can hear a song and be instantly transported back to a time in my life that I enjoy remembering. I think that's what I like listening to radio for, is just to stay informed on whether it's news, sports, new music, anything. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle, cotton, and grains all moved to the upside on Thursday. We finished with both live and feeder cattle higher. August live cattle up 52 cents, 181.10. The October up 82, 182.52. December up $1.10 at 186.60. Same thing on the feeder cattle. August feeders up 85 cents, 248 even. September feeders up 95 at 251.57. The October up $1.17 at 253.32. Cash fed cattle market still mostly quiet for the week. We did see where one regional packer paid 186 in Kansas for some high quality cattle, but overall, not much happening so far this week. Packers are bidding 177, feedlots asking 182 and higher. Boxed beef prices mixed on Thursday. Choice down 34 cents, 303.18. Select up six at 278.20. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Gary Butler, my guest, Nixon Livestock, sold them on Monday. Gary, how did it go? We uh, had 14, 16, 185 cows and 12 bulls. Two and three weight steers, 224 to 315. Heifers, 203 to 275. Three and four weight steers, 237 to 330. Heifers, 217 to 280. Four and five weight steers, 219 to $3. Heifers, $2 to 275. Five and six weight steers, 209 to 268. Heifers, $1.96 to 244. Six and seven weight steers, $2 to $245. Heifers, $1.89. 227 seven eight weight steers bull yearlings a dollar 96 to 220 and the heifers were $1.76 to 209 uh the calf markets continues to be strong larry uh know a lot more cattle coming uh this week already uh slaughter cows 70 to dollar six slaughter bulls 90 to dollar 29 uh stocker cows had a few not many 16 uh 650 to 1400 uh pairs 935 to a thousand larry now you said you knew of some cattle coming yes sir i know of uh three or four loads coming already you know i'm talking about oh uh, 50 to 60 head uh, I know of another deal down in Woodsboro. If if they work, they'll have about 80 head. Uh, so we're going to have a pretty good run again. I'm out. We'll have that 14, 1500 again, Larry. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. 
you can get us here at cell phone 830-582-1561 or 62. Catch me on my mobile, 830-857-4330. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins, Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. That was Gary Butler. You're listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now where Lean Hogs finished mixed on Thursday. The August contract up seven cents, 101.72. October down a dollar twenty-five at eighty thirty-two. Class three milk took a drop Thursday. August milk down fourteen cents, seventeen twenty-one a hundred weight. September milk down twenty-six at seventeen fifty-seven a hundred. The cotton market managed a higher close on Thursday. A couple of factors affecting that. Of course, we had the Thursday morning weekly export sales report. It looked a lot better than last week's report, showing an increase in cotton exports. Also, we're waiting on the August World Ag Supply and Demand report out on Friday morning. They're anticipating a reduction in the U.S. cotton crop in that report. So that helped prices out in Thursday's trade. The October contract up 118 points, 87.29. December up 80 points at 86.15. March cotton up 73 at same price, 86.15. Corn and wheat both drifted higher in a quiet trade on Thursday. Once again, traders kind of sitting on the sidelines waiting for that big USDA report to come out. We close with September corn up two and a quarter, 483 and a quarter. December corn up two, 496 and a quarter, with March corn up one and three quarters, 510 a bushel. Hard wheat finished higher. September Kansas City wheat up five and a half, 767 a bushel. September Chicago wheat up two and three quarters at 637 and three quarters. The energy markets took a drop on Thursday. September natural gas down 18 cents, 277. September West Texas crude down $1.65 at 8275 a barrel. The financial market slightly higher Thursday afternoon. The Dow was up 52 points at 35,175. The Nasdaq up 15, 13,737. The S&P up a point at 4,468. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.